0: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I remembered to turn my mic on. As I was saying earlier, we kick off today the season of Advent in the church. This is the beginning of the Christian calendar year, the Christian church calendar year. And it's a time of repentance and preparation. It's a time of expectation. Unlike other traditions that are celebrated this time of year, this one is not rooted in pagan traditions. The word Advent is derived from the Latin adventus, and uh, it literally is the Latin word for coming. And it's the exact equivalent to the Greek word parousia which means the same thing. It refers to the second coming of our Messiah. Now, early in the church age, the time of the church, the body of Christ celebrated the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and also the fact that he promised to return. And somehow in the last 50 or 75 years, and I haven't been able to pinpoint it, that got changed to looking forward. No, we gave up the looking forward part. We're looking back instead of looking forward. We're looking back at the birth of the Christ child instead of looking forward to his return, which is what he said to do. He never told his church to look back at the birth. In fact, at that time, people didn't celebrate births. Well, there were two people that did in the Bible. They were both wicked. I won't go into that, but they didn't celebrate births. And so he told his followers... To pay attention to his return, and we're going to read one of the scriptures where he says that. Advent's the beginning of the Christian year, except in the Eastern churches, which start on September 1st. And I won't give you all the background to that, it's just a fact. And it gives us a dual reminder, first of the Hebrews waiting for the Messiah, and secondly, that the followers of the Messiah are waiting for his return. In many Christian fellowships, each of the Sundays of Advent are celebrated with a candle. There's the the Teutonic wheel. They don't call it that. They call it the Advent wreath, which we're not going to use. And they light a candle each week, and there's one that's for joy and hope and faith and love in Christ and and so on. And uh, each week a candle's lit, and it it has a uh, specific meaning associated with different facets of Advent. And we're going to be opening God's Word to learn more about the coming of Christ. But before we do, I want us to pray. Father, we need you now more than ever. Your Word tells us you will give your Holy Spirit to those who ask, Lord, and so we ask. Specifically, Father, I ask. Guide each of us to discern the truth from error, and please, Father, block all distractions. Our lives distract us from hearing your Word. The fact that we're familiar with it may distract us from hearing your word. And so, Father, I ask that you would block all distractions. Help me to speak clearly and concisely. Lord, I completely surrender to you for your use today. And I ask that you would grant to your servant by your spirit that with all boldness I may speak your word. To the name of our Lord and Savior, the one we call Jesus, Yahashua, Messiah. Please give me unction to speak by Your Spirit what each of us needs to hear. And help us, Lord, as we open Your Word to the 21st chapter of Luke, to hear what it is that our Lord and Savior Himself instructed His followers to do, and all of God's people said, Amen. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 21, and we're going to start at the 25th verse. You'll find that on page 1626 if you want to open The Bible there in your seats, 1626, Luke 21, it's about halfway down in the left-hand column, page 1626. And beginning at verse 25, I want you to hear what's written there. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, from fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory, Now, when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Then he spoke to them a parable Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And that day come on you Unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. I trust that God will add His blessing to the reading and hearing of His Word. Take heed, pay attention, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness. And most of us probably don't have to worry about that in this congregation. We're not carousing. We're not drunken. But that next one, the cares of this life can distract us from paying attention to His coming. He said so. He said, take heed lest your hearts be weighed down with these things. The, including those things that are called the cares of this life. Or it'll come on you. It'll come on all those who draw on the face of the earth unexpectedly, like a snare. And watch and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things. What's our prayer? That we're worthy to escape those things. That we would not be crushed. By those things that are coming on the earth. Our Lord wants us to be prepared. He wants us to be ready. He wants us to turn to Him, and that's that word repent or repentance that many people don't like today. And as we embark on this time of repentance and preparation and expectation, Our journey begins with a picture of the end. It's not a pretty picture. It's not something that most people are welcoming today. That's maybe why we've changed the focus or shifted the focus from looking forward to his return to looking back at his birth as a baby, because that feels good, right? I mean, you think of a little baby and all those rough circumstances and how they prevailed, and we like hearing that, right? Right? We don't like this part. We don't like hearing this. But the original focus of the Advent season was, in fact, to prepare the church for his return. Our Savior was already well aware of his approaching sacrifice when he gave this little dialogue to his followers. He already knew how it was going to happen, when it was going to happen, and all of that was settled. And then he preached prophetically about the destruction of the world that the people at that time knew. And just 40 or so years later, about 70 A.D., the Romans put down the last Jewish uprising. They destroyed the temple. And that was the center of the world for the people of the Jewish faith. The temple was the center of the world for the Jews, and they still mourn its loss to this day. But you know, this message transcends that moment in time. Because he wasn't just talking about that event. And there are some in the faith that say that that's what he was talking about, and it's already over, and it's done, and we don't have to worry about it. But the things that he said were going to happen haven't happened. And so it can't be. It's a dual prophecy. He's telling them that when he comes back, you're going to see these things. And then he tells them, you're going to see, before he comes back, you're going to see the destruction that he foretold, and they did. And his prophetic words can give us a chill down our spine. We don't like to hear it. We just don't. I mean, let's face it, folks. We've been conditioned in the church to have everything feel good. We don't want anything that doesn't feel good. I often compare that to cotton candy. We don't want the meat. It's too hard to chew. Give me something easy, Pastor. But, you know, I can't just give you milk all the time. I've got to give you what God's Word says, and sometimes He gives me a brutally difficult message to deliver. We're seeing a lot of distress among the nations now. Never has there been a time that we know of, at least, where the whole world was being affected by something and all of the governments of the world were in league together to make things happen like, let's just say, shutdowns. Never before. It's distress of nations. And folks are fainting from fear and the warning signs of what's coming upon the world. There are folks, as we know, are taking their own lives that's an unfortunate reality of this whole situation. His message, our Lord's message, is just as relevant today as it was then. And we need to be prepared for His return. We need to be waiting for Him. We need to be anxiously waiting for Him. We need to be pleading, come Lord Jesus. And we're going to see those things happen. The things we don't want to see happen. Sometimes God brings his truth in a prophetic way to get his people's attention. Sometimes he tells us the awful truth. It's not going to be pretty. Things are a mess. And sin is responsible for that mess. God has not made the mess. Sin has brought the mess upon this earth. Sometimes our Lord says disturbing things to get people agitated enough to change their behavior. That's where the repentance aspect of Advent comes in. Sometimes we see in the words of Christ, that's exactly what He did. He worked people up into a frenzy. He said, This is how bad it's going to get. Pay attention. Don't get caught up in all those things like we do this time of year because of the holiday. Don't get caught up in all of those things to the point where you're not paying attention. Don't lose sight of the fact that He is returning. Because if we get too worked up in all this worldly stuff, our attention is focused somewhere else. And that's not what He wants. But they killed him, right? Or is he alive and about to return? He's alive. He lives. And what you believe about his death, burial, and resurrection, it forms part of your worldview. And sometimes we have to be given reminders that he said he's coming back. And that's what the Advent season was originally about. Reminding the church at the beginning of the church year, he's coming back. What if it were today? What was the number of that hymn, Jim? Do we have anybody? Oh, I don't have one. Oh, yes, I do. It's an old hymn. The other night during our... Prayer meeting. One fifty-one. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of good ones. Yeah. What if it were today? That's a good one.
1: Marvelous message we bring, glorious carol we sing, wonderful word of the King. Jesus is coming again, coming again, coming again. May be morning, may be noon, may be evening, and may be soon. Coming again, coming again, oh, what a wonderful day it will be. Jesus is coming again. Amen. Amen. Praise God.
0: Praise God. That's His message. That's His message. He says he's coming again, and he gives all these signs. In fact, preceding the text that we read, he gave some other signs. And in other places, he gives more signs. He says, these are the things you're going to see happening whenever I'm on my way back. Our opening text tells us strange things will be happening in the sun and the moon and the stars during the time leading up to His return. And anybody who watches that kind of stuff will see and know, and they'll tell you strange things have been happening in the sun and the moon and the stars. Whole countries will be in despair. They're going to be afraid of the raging tides, they'll be afraid of the roaring waves. Fear is going to grip and overpower people as they see what's coming over the whole earth and even the universe outside of this little earth that we live on, is going to be shaken. And we're seeing these things happening regularly. We see that the distress is happening. And after everything goes completely berserk, it's written in verse 27, then the Son of Man will appear, coming in a cloud with great power and glory. We can't even imagine what that's going to be. But he's not coming secretly. He's not going to sneak in. He says so right here. He says he's coming in, a po- in power and in great glory. And there are teachings within the Christian church that say he's going to sneak in, grab his people, and then he's going to come back again. And that's not what's written. And we have to be careful about that because if we're thinking that we can just sit on our hands and wait for him to show up because he's going to whisk us out of here before anything happens, he doesn't say that. He says, pay attention. He says, be ready. He's coming. And when he comes, there's going to be a whole lot of things going on. And we're not going to like those things. But to pray so that we are kept from those things. We're protected. That's what he says. He says to look up. Lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Your redemption's getting nearer. And so we can praise Him for that. Every time we see things getting nearer and nearer, as we see these things that are happening on the earth, we can say, praise God, Christ is coming. He said so. Here's one of those signs. Does it mean it's going to happen today? It doesn't mean it's going to happen today, but it could. The next, verse, the, the, the next verse there tells us to look up and lift up our heads. He's going to gather to himself his people who are prepared. You see the other passages of Scripture that we've read, like the one of the ten virgins, they were all the same. But five of them weren't prepared, and they were called foolish. We need to be prepared, church. We need the body of Christ to be prepared Don't get caught up in all of this stuff that's happening on earth. It doesn't matter about elections. Yes, we care as citizens of this country, for example, and any people in any country care about the elections that they hold, but don't get so caught up in it that you forget to remember that he's on his way. Don't get caught up in all this fear-mongering that you forget that he's coming. He said so, and he said these things are going to be happening. That passage that we read offers an instruction for preparation. The advent of Christ is near. Be prepared. He's coming. Be ready. If he arrived right now and walked through those doors, how many of us would greet him? Now, he's on the road, okay? He's been walking. Hadn't had a shower Clothes are dirty, tattered. They've walked on these roads that are covered with manure, and they've got it on their feet. And him and some of his guys come in here. How many of us would greet them? How many of us would be friendly to them? Because we don't know. We don't know who this guy is. We just know it's this guy that's not exactly like us. He's Maybe his skin's different than ours. Maybe his clothing's different than ours. Maybe He doesn't smell like we do. We're going to be too busy to greet Him. We're going to be too busy to welcome Him into our congregation. You know, He's going to gather His people who are prepared. Are we really prepared? Are we really loving God completely and loving our neighbor as ourselves? As we go on in the text... We learned that our Messiah told them a short parable, and there's many Bibles that will have in there, the parable of the fig tree or something. We're talking about all the trees. When you see the leaves, you know the time is near. Summer's coming. In the same way, when you see the things that he foretold happening, you know that the kingdom of God is about to come. And he said, this generation shall not pass away till all are fulfilled. And some have taken that to mean that his coming was going to happen at that time, and I told you about the... Jerusalem being decimated. But it's obvious to us now that his meaning was different than what has been said. It's not occurred yet. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. His teaching endures forever. It's like God's mercy. It endures forever. And after making this awesome promise, I'm coming back. My words are going to last forever. I'm coming back. He gave a warning for everybody who claims to follow him. And it's found in Luke chapter 21, verses 34 and 35. He says, Don't get caught up in all this stuff in the world. Don't get caught up in it. Don't get caught up in eating and drinking or worrying about life. If you do, that final day will catch you unaware like a trap. And so even when things are looking ugly in our lives, we need not to get caught up in that stuff. And that is where it takes faith. We must walk by faith, not by sight. We see all these things happening, whatever they are. Whether it be our individual things, in our personal lives, our extended family, and so on and so forth, as it goes out in the circle that we exist in. All of that stuff... Could take our focus off of him, but we need to remain focused on Christ. It's all deception. Don't get caught up in that stuff. Now I have to ask because he said the day of his coming is going to surprise everybody. Did he exclude believers? I didn't see that. He. Instruction warns us with the same sentence. Watch you, therefore, and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Because you want to be accounted worthy. And I'm not going to get into accounting terms But there is this sense of equity in God's kingdom, and we, by Christ, are accounted worthy to enter. But we do have things to do, and here's one of them, watch and pray, watch and pray. In this season of Advent, we need to be watching and praying, come Lord Jesus, and, you know, it was a while ago I, I read about a couple that went into a large and prosperous church service, and as they entered, they smiled at a number of people, but nobody greeted them. Everybody was busy with whatever they were doing. You know, the praise team was getting ready for the music, and the pastor was getting ready for the sermon, and... Everybody else was just kind of busy greeting one another and talking with one another, and they came in and smiled, and somebody handed them an outline of the service without even looking at them because they were busy, engaged in a conversation with somebody else. Now, I know usually that doesn't happen here. You, You folks are good about greeting people as they come in. But that congregation was too busy to receive them. And see, that's the picture of us. When Christ comes, is He going to find us so preoccupied with everything and anything but our focus on Him? Is that couple thought that congregation was too preoccupied for them. And that's what's going to happen when Christ returns. If His people are not prepared, He's going to look and say, I don't know you. That's what he says in another place. Are we too preoccupied with busyness? Are we missing the mark? I, I have to ask. I mean, I, I, I'm not, it's not a condemnation. God gave me this message to deliver here today. I believe we need to treat this Advent season with preparation and expectation Preparation in prayer, most especially, pray and watch, watch and pray. He's coming again, and the question is, do you believe it? Do you really believe that he's coming again? Or is that just something that you've heard all of the years that you've been involved in a church? He's coming again. Do you believe it? And this idea should saturate everything that we do. It should saturate, completely saturate. I was sitting in the forest yesterday, and the Lord told me I wasn't going to be. He wasn't bringing me a deer, but he wanted to have some alone time with me. And so as I sat there and I said, okay, Lord, where where, where are we at? What are we doing? He pointed out some things where I had erred and helped me to reconcile with him over that. Little things, stuff that nobody else here probably would ever find fault with. But God did. And he helped me to realize that those kind of things, as he brings us out of them, is part of the preparation process. We have to be prepared. We can't just be too busy with self-indulgence and the worries of this life. The bills will get paid. It's okay. God has settled that in my heart. It's going to be all right. When I think, well, I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I've got to do this, and I've got to get that done, and I've got to get that done. And he says, it's going to be okay. And see, I know all of us have those kinds of things that tear at us. Because we have to pay the rent, or the mortgage, or the insurance, or whatever. All those things are that we have to pay. And we need to come up with a way to do that. And I know that. And that's just one of the things that God pointed out to me because my preoccupation was with, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to get this done and I've got to get that done. But he's showing me that I need to be watching for his return, not worried about those things, not preoccupied with those things. We can't be self-indulging. I'm good at not doing that. But being preoccupied with busyness, sometimes I'm not. And I don't want to miss the mark. And I don't want any of you to miss the mark. We can invite and expect and welcome Him. And we can do that through visitors. Because at this time of the year, there are an increased number of people that are seeking. And so we can help, we can invite them, we can welcome them, we can greet them, we can be those people that are unlike those who are too preoccupied to welcome people into Christ's family. We can focus on what's really important, our relationship with Almighty God and with the Messiah's return. And so what tools are offered in this message? I'll keep it brief, folks. What hope can we grasp? Is there any advice that we can take home? Because I had to ask myself, okay, how how am I going to prepare you to do what it is that God has told us in His Word that we're to do? So we need to consider other passages of Scripture. Think about what's written in Romans chapter 13, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering or wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Put off the flesh. All those things that are taking you away from God, put it away. Now's the time. And this is a prayer. It's a prayer. God, the night's far spent, the day's at hand. Help me cast off the works of darkness. Help me put aside the flesh. We make messes and God redeems us. He always has for me. And he'll continue, I'm sure. But our first request, I believe, is to have grace to set aside darkness, to set aside anything that's not in the light. Anything. The tiniest little things. And that's what the Lord's been dealing with me. There's little tiny things. And the idea extends beyond the doors of this building, folks. In Jeremiah chapter 33, it's written, Behold, The days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah in those days, and at that time I will cause the branch of righteousness, that's Christ, the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. And this was foretelling the first coming. And the reason that's relevant is because when God promises something, God delivers In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name wherewith she shall be called, the Lord, our righteousness. Jeremiah gave a short and meaty message. He had to tell his friends, and they were some wealthy people. He had to tell them they weren't doing it right. He had to set them straight. God keeps his promises, he said. Paraphrased, of course. Nobody has to wonder about that. Jeremiah had to tell those friends and others the things that weren't right between them and God, and that is sometimes my role here in this congregation, and I don't enjoy it. I don't know you well enough to know that there's anything in your lives that isn't right between you and God, but you do, and God knows, and obviously He wants you to hear that anything that isn't right you need to set aside, you need to let it go, whatever it is. If there's any idolatry, if there's anything that you're worshiping other than God, you've got to let it go. Sometimes, and I've been guilty of this, we can worship relationships and we don't realize it because we want them so bad. I would never want to be separated, for example, from my wife. I love my wife and I want to be with her. But there are times when we're not physically in the same space or the same area. But I don't want to turn that into an idol, and none of us should. God has given us his word that he's going to restore relationships, and we want to see that, but let's not idolize those relationships. Jeremiah had to say that God was going to do something about it. They weren't right, and God was going to fix it. They weren't going to fix it. And God was going to reestablish righteousness, a right relationship with himself. And this is what we strive for. At least I hope each of us will strive for that right relationship with God that will set aside all of those things that get in the way of that relationship. And, you know, it's a done deal. We might as well just enjoy it, right? Because God is in control, whether we see him in control or not. That passage also proclaims God's intention of justice and righteousness in the land. And this is a hope that has sustained faithful believers for centuries. God is going to set everything right. Whether it's right at this moment in our lifetimes or if it's not, he is going to set it right. And for all of eternity, those who are believers, true followers of the one we call Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Those who follow him are going to live in full righteousness forever in the presence of Almighty God. And this is the promise. He's coming back, whether it's while we're alive in these bodies or if we're not. He's coming back and he's going to collect all of his people, those who are awake and those who are not. Those who are asleep and those who are awake. God redeems everything. And I know this personally. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, it's written, For what thanks can we render to God again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now, God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. Now, this is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. He's saying, we really want to come and see you guys, and we're praying to be able to do that, okay? Okay. The Lord, make you increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, all human beings, even as we do toward you, to the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. He's saying, he's praying for the people of Thessalonica, just like he would pray for this church. I want you to be ready. Ready? I want you to be unblameable. I want you to stand before Almighty God at the coming of Christ and know He's going to say, Welcome, my good and faithful servant. This is what I want for each of you. The writer there prays that the beloved believers will be blameless before God. And it all comes out of that boundless love that they share with others. They imitate Christ. And that's the hardest thing for any of us to do because he was completely blameless. He was completely sinless. But this is the one that we are to imitate. This is why we are called Christians, Christ-like ones. We are like Christ. We want to be like Christ. We want to serve him until he returns. And our reward will be Christ's sustaining love forever. As I wrap this up, folks, I want to remind you of the few tools that we have at our disposal in this Advent journey. We have grace, God's grace. We have faith, that's God's promises kept. He promised things in the past, and He kept those promises, and He's promised that He's going to bring the Messiah back, and He'll keep that promise too. We also have our ability to imitate Christ to use in our journey, and this will bring us to repentance. This is part of our preparation. This is part of our expectation. Look, if you knew someone you loved would be displeased with your behavior, whatever it is, and they were on their way, but they weren't quite here yet and they showed up, and they found you doing whatever it was that would displease them, how would that make you feel? You wouldn't be happy with that. You've got to think of it like Christ is on his way. He's momentarily delayed. And when he gets here, he wants to find you waiting for him, prepared for him, expecting him, imitating him. We can still do all those things in the world. We can, you know, those of us who like to give gifts, we're going to go out and we're going to shop for gifts to give to other people. And those of us who like gatherings, some of us get invited to a lot of gatherings, this time of year anyway, but maybe this year we won't because of this whole virus thing. But you know, those of us who get invited to gatherings, we attend gatherings, and you know, we could get caught up in that kind of stuff. We can give and receive gifts, but they're not the main thing, folks. The main thing is that even when the world's news is bad, even when terrible things are happening, that's not God's message. God's message is redemption. God's message is that He justifies you. God's message is that He sanctifies you. And God's message is that He's going to glorify you. He's going to take you to be with Him. And God's message is an act of response. It's not a reaction. Oh, he's here. No. You're actively participating in that response. I'm waiting for Christ. Stand up. Raise your heads. Because your redemption is drawing near. Adventus, the Latin word. He is coming. Parousia. He is coming. Are you hearing Him? Do you know anybody that isn't? Because part of your role is to help them. To know that He's coming. He is coming. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You. Lord God, Your Word is true. You've given it to us today. Cold, hard, factual, but you've given it to us today. And, Father God, I ask that you would seat your word in our hearts, that we would be your people who do nothing less and nothing more than what you ask for us to do. Let us be those who pray. Let us be those who watch. Let us be those who are prepared and expecting Christ's return. And all of God's people said, amen. All right.